0: remain standing, please do so. Either way, let's take our Bibles and turn to James chapter 1. This morning we want to read once again verses 26 and 27, the last two verses of the first chapter. It's also located on page 1011. Uh, if you'd like to use a Bible from the church, there should be one in front of you. I'm feeling short this uh, this morning. I'm I'm sure that people did this because they love children, and not because they are disinterested in seeing me. So I'm not important anyway. But these are God's words for us this morning, and uh, here's what God says: If anyone thinks he is religious, and does not bridle his tongue, uh, but his heart. This person's religion is worthless. Religion that is uh, pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world you may be seated father thank you for your word there is no word like your word everything about your word is true and good and beautiful and perfect and so our prayer as we've just read this portion of your word is that you would be at work in our midst in our hearts this morning That by your spirit you would show us wonderful things and that in seeing these things from your word that by the very power of your spirit you would transform us take pleasure these moments father in how your children receive your holy word for we pray this in Jesus name amen well we read these two verses last week And um, this morning, we're reading them again. These two verses are contrasting worthless religion with pure and undefiled religion. Last week, from verse 26, we considered uh, some aspects of worthless uh, religion. Now, this morning... Uh, We want to consider some aspects of pure religion out of verse 27. And yet, um, the longer the week unfolded, the more I realized that um, we're probably going to need to come back next week and look at this passage again. And so this morning, as we look at the nature of pure and undefiled religion, you'll see there's two broad categories that are listed in verse 27 uh, that, that uh, address the nature of pure and undefiled religion, that we would um, uh, visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to uh, keep oneself unstained from the world. That last phrase there in verse 27, Lord willing, let's... Our friend is back, isn't he? So his days are now numbered. Well, it's it's our friend's brother. Our friend didn't make it last week, but he just landed on my notes. But anyway. But Lord willing, next week, and maybe he's got a friend with him, but uh, next week we'll look at that second part of verse 27. This morning I want us to focus just on the, the, the first aspect of pure and undefiled religion. I want us to consider um, what this passage says to us concerning the matter of of, uh, visiting orphans and widows in their affliction. What I would say both about this week and next week, I don't think James gives us an exhaustive uh, focus upon things that that fit in the category of pure and undefiled religion. But I think he is landing... Uh, us and, and directing our attention, while it may not be an exhaustive list, uh, the things listed here both this morning and, then, Lord willing, next week are of an essential nature. There is something that quite representational uh, about these matters that are listed here in verse 27. Um, pure and undefiled religion. Um, before God the Father attends to the needs of orphans and widows three things I want to uh, highlight about that simple statement Um, and I'll just kind of categorize them some hooks that you can hang this on is first of all I want to make some generalizations second I want to make some applications And then third, I I want to give some qualifications. So as we're thinking about pure and undefiled religion uh, that sees that there's an essential aspect to it of visiting orphans and widows, uh, what what do we say generally uh, uh, about that? Well, why does James uh, list these two um, categories here? Why is James directing us to visit or attend to or to care for orphans and widows? Well, in, particularly in the biblical era, both Old Testament at, uh, history and New Testament history, um, these two categories, orphans and widows, were arguably uh, the most vulnerable uh, uh, categories of people in those days, in that culture, in, in that society. They were, the, the orphans and widows were the, the most likely people to be exploited. Orphans and widows in that day and age were, the, 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 they were just the most easily categorized or groups of people uh, to be oppressed. The Old Testament is talked full of concerns for and commands to care for widows and orphans in fact uh, the, the, the very uh, language of visit um, when it says uh, we're to visit widows and orphans that's an that's an old testament uh, allusion before in the old testament it was it was ref- It it was spoken of of God himself, who we're we're told would visit his people. That doesn't mean he just kind of stopped by and hung out at the house for a little bit. Uh, It it, it was packed full of uh, rich imagery uh, that God would visit his people to deliver them, to protect them, and to provide for them. And and so as it that's now being applied to your life and my life. That, how are we to be the kind of people who you could point to us and say, you see that right there? You see that person right there? Them is the kind of people that visit orphans and widows. It that just means we kind of swung by the house and saw them? No, it, it means that we would have some sort of categorical connection in our life in which we would... Uh, Work to deliver them and to protect them and to provide for them. That kind of stuff there is not like the uh, the icing on the cake kind of optional stuff. You know, he's saying that this is just essential stuff that pertains to pure and undefiled religion. The prophet. I mean, James is not telling us anything that's not already been. Um, dealt with in the Scriptures I was I'm fascinated by the opening chapter of the book of Isaiah in, in which God is fed up with their religious practices because in essence to, to borrow James's language the, the religious practices of ancient Israel didn't have anything to do with pure and undefiled religion Listen to Isaiah 1. I'm just going to jump in at the middle of a, of a series of statements here in verse 14, where the Lord says, your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. I, I hate it when you guys come to church. Uh, like, whoa. Uh, they have become a burden to me, the Lord says. I am weary of burying them. I can't stand you showing up for another worship service. You're wearing me out! When you spread out your hands, I hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before your eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, and plead the widow's cause. There we are, we're back, right back to what James has dealt with. Uh, Isaiah was critiquing religion that was worthless, that was not pure and undefiled. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's not that he d- d- completely disliked their gatherings. He's the one who commanded them to gather. But it was that their gatherings were not pure and undefiled. They lacked the moral fortitude in their hearts and souls to come and to bring meaningful worship, pleasing worship to God. What did they do? it's It's not what they did in this case. It's what they didn't do. They didn't look after the orphans and the widows. Another generalization That I think taking us back to James when it says to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Is I think James just picks two categories. Again, this is not exhaustive, but, but, but it, is, it, is, uh, it is very instructive. Um, it, it, James is concerned in a, in a very broad, generalized way that we have a commitment to alleviate. Uh, we have a concern for and uh, compassion toward and a commitment to alleviate and uh, the afflictions and the troubles of those that are the most vulnerable in our culture. Even in our own day and age, orphans and widows come right up toward the top of that list. But I think we could still be faithful to the Scripture, and we could generalize to include other categories and groups that are easily exploited. The first to be oppressed. The most likely to be vulnerable. In fact, I think we could arguably bump it out to not just orphans, but children in general. Not just widows, but elderly in general perverts and perpetrators in our culture today love to mess with kids and they love to wreak havoc upon the elderly we cannot turn a blind eye to that we cannot Say not my problem uh, to to that if that is if we if we want to fit into the category of being people who are religious but who seek to cultivate um, a religion that is pure and undefiled, Christians should be the first in line to figure out categories and ways uh, that 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 we are um, seeking to attend to needy persons, marginalized pers- persons, physically handicapped and disabled persons. The point, just in the broad generalization of, of James's words of visiting orphans and widows, is that... We, we who name the name of Jesus, we who are um, practicers of the Christian religion, uh, we need to be uh, particularly noted as being people of charity and mercy. Especially especially towards the categories of people who are the most vulnerable, who are the marginalized, who are the, the, the most likely to be exploited and the, the most greatly to be uh, oppressed. I've been listening to a book on audio entitled, Them Before Us. The book is a plea for us to be advocates for children. The book horrifically cites fact after fact of how children's mental, physical, and emotional well being is being destroyed by prevalent cultural notions rampant among us adults. The book catalogs chapter after chapter after chapter after long miserable chapter how kids are paying the high price uh, as adults are disinterested in putting the needs of children ahead of our own wants and desires. We even have a little mantra that we use as we ruin kids. Kids are resilient. How dare us! Think like that. You be resilient. You're the adult. Don't put that on children. As you can tell, as I'm listening to the book, I'm just getting madder and madder by the minute. Um, At some point, though, remember what James said earlier, um, the anger of man does not bring about the righteousness of God. At at some point, our anger about these sort of things, our anger about the exploitation of children, our anger about uh, us adults putting our own desires and wants above the best interests of the children, uh, our anger over the uh, exploitation of widows and orphans—it's at it, it's, it's some point that anger must transition and translate into charity and mercy. Anger can 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 greatly motivate us, but boy, it can motivate us to be a bull in a china shop—totally unhelpful. Well, boy, we feel better about that, don't we? But but our, our anger can actually actually motivate us to be purveyors, conveyors, instruments of mercy. Remember Micah 6, 8, what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, we, we, we see injustices, and if, you're, if, you're, if your emotions are, are correlated right, when you see an injustice, there, 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 there's going to be anger there. If it's not, check your pulse. Um, but but it, there's going to be anger there. And, and yet, yet we're to be people who do justice, and yet to love mercy. I think it's a wonderful connector there. And to walk humbly. So even as we seek to uh, address injustices, Uh, from a vantage point of mercy and kindness that requires that we would be people who know a thing or two about walking through life with a sense of humility and not a sense of superiority. All right, second point I wanna make. By the way, um, uh, my own children, you could just relax, Um, that book is coming to you for Christmas this year. So, uh, it's, it, it's been ordered, it's on back order, because f- greatly, it, that book, the first publication sold out. So, them before us. And so, if you're not my kid, then get your own book. Um, but if you're my kid, then uh, get, I've just told you one of the books you're getting for Christmas this year. So, um, anyway. Um. Um, if you want me to adopt you as your kid, then we can work that out as well. I mean, I am to care for orphans um, so if you, uh, if, if of, of a book variety. So, uh, so if you ever want to accept me as your personal librarian, I'm ready to, uh, to do that. Um, but second point I want to make, just that the first point was just some categories of generalizations of, about visiting widows and orphans. And then, but I think this might be helpful. I pray it's helpful. Let me say a thing or two about applications. James is clear. He's not not equivocating about what pure and undefiled religion consists of. It it consists of of visiting orphans and widows um, uh, in their affliction. That's what we are to do. Each of us, Uh, must be able to make some sort of connection of the dots in our lives that we've devoted some of our time, some of our talent, some of our treasure to alleviate the affliction of orphans and widows. (sighs) But how? How? This this is a really important distinction that I think is really helpful for us to mull over. James has told us what to do. James has not given us any specificity on how you or I are to get that worked out in our lives. How we're to do it. In other words, in the broad sense, you've got, to, you've got to be able to lay hold of some evidence in your life that you're doing something, somewhere, somehow, in reference to orphans and widows. Otherwise, uh, your religion is pure and, and uh, is not pure, and it is not undefiled. It is really moved back into the category of, 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 of worthless. James does not spell out for us the How? in detail we are left to work this out each of us are left to work this out before the Lord now here's a potential landmine then in the church among Christian people I may hear this sermon and and that that Pure and undefiled religion visits orphans and widows in their affliction. And uh, upon hearing the what, as I work out the how, um, I, 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 I might say, how am I going to do this? Well, I believe that the Lord would have me do this this way. I believe that, well, I am um, I'm going to um, um, uh, practice this. I'll get some details in a second. This is how I'm going to care for the most vulnerable. What you and I often do then is we take the what, which is clearly stated here, we then apply that to our own how, and then we take our how and we inscripturate it. Meaning that you must do your how the way I do my how. Because if you don't do your how, The way I do my how, well, I know my religion is pure and undefiled, but I'm really uh, skeptical about yours because you're not doing your how the way I figured out I'm going to do my how. Um, For instance, you might look at a passage of Scripture like this, and as you sort out the how based upon the what, you might decide that... um, Well, the way I'm going to care for an orphan is I'm going to adopt one. I think that's a very noble application of this passage's instructions that we are to visit or care for orphans in their affliction. Someone else may come up with another. Well, I'm not going to adopt a child, but I'm going to start an orphanage or I'm going to volunteer or go to work at a children's ministry, or or I'm going to aggressively financially support uh, an orphanage or a children's ministry. I mean, those are all great choices. But here is where you and I hit a landmine, at this point of application in which we seek to inscripturate our application of what the scripture directs us to do once you and i discern how we believe the lord is guiding us to apply this matter then you and i must instantly start guarding against the pull within us that everyone else around me must do it the same way i've up and decided to do it this is this is this is a point of discussion about application that is far larger than just simply the matter of orphans and widows but but I think this is a good time to bring this clarification about how you and I apply the scriptures the scriptures here in this case has told us what to do, care for the vulnerable, that is a non-negotiable if we are interested in pure and undefiled religion. There's no wiggle room for any of us who name the name of Jesus to say, you know, I'm just not in to caring about or thinking about or doing much in reference to um, uh, orphans and widows and their afflictions, you know, I'm 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 more into glorious things. Yeah. Well, I think James is saying, well, that's fine, but you you don't have pure and undefiled religion. In other words, caring for the vulnerable is what is non-negotiable, um, and and we each have to work out a way that we are doing that. The point that I'm trying to make, and I I I don't in any way want to give you or I any arsenal that would cause us to have a low view of Scripture, that would cause us to denigrate the, the pure authority of God's Word. The point I'm trying to make is that there is a big, important distinction to make between what the Scripture has told us to do here, which is not negotiable, and how we're going to work that out in our own life before the Lord. In other words, while caring for widows and orphans is non-negotiable, there's a lot of variance. There's a lot of variety in terms of the degree of intensity that this person may do it over this person. Or there may be an entirely different way of application that both, although the application is different, both be faithfully carrying out what the Lord has told us to do here even though we land on different hows. Paul, something interesting I think Paul says, to Paul, Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he's explaining some things to Timothy, and, and, then, and then he, he makes this interesting comment. Think about what I say. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. In other words, Paul was explaining this. And then Paul says, like, like I, I, I'm, I'm going to shut down the explanation. And, and, now, and now the onus is on you to take the explanation that I've given. And now you take that before the Lord. Say, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? Lord, how do you want me to work this out in my life? How do you want me to apply this? And there's going to be variated applications that are each faithful. Or Paul again in Romans 14, 5, he says, each one should be convinced in his own mind There there are ways that we work out certain moral issues in our lives and and, and even the applications of of clear instructions from Scripture, but the way we work those applications out, you better be convinced in your mind that that's the way you are to faithfully walk in obedience to that. Hold on to it everything that is written in the scriptures but be careful that you don't go beyond what is written in the scriptures if you want to adopt a child if that's the way the Lord wants you to apply this important issue of visiting orphans and widows in their affliction. If you say, I, "The Lord, the, I, I believe that the Lord is guiding me to adopt an orphan," that's wonderful. That's a faithful application of this scripture. But the person next to you may come with to an altogether different conclusion. And guess what? They are also faithful to potentially faithful. In other words, their faithfulness is not determined by whether or not they do it the way that you believe you ought to do it. You be convinced in your own mind that this is the way you're to do it. You go before the Lord and ask the Lord to give you understanding on how you are to, to, to do this. Why? Because these are serious matters. Translating the what to the how means that we've got to get down into the world of counting the costs. Of doing these sort of things oh about 20 that's probably been 30 years ago now there was a famous Christian book that came out that was that was making the case for why Christians ought to have large families and people read that book and without in my opinion, not without going before the Lord and, and asking the Lord, Lord, is, children are a blessing from the Lord, but does that mean I've got to have 18 of them? Uh, it, 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 rather, rather than individually going for the Lord, the person winsomely writes in the book that you've got to have 18 of them or a whole flock of them, whatever. And, and you know what? What I found is that over the last 20 or 30 years, there's a whole flock of Christians who've got a whole bunch of kids who, guess what? They don't even like kids. They're trying to find themselves, and I'm like, "Well, you've got six kids. You've got eight kids. You're going to find yourself over there in the pile of them, of them kids over there, you know? Because you, you just you, you, you bought into somebody else's applicational vision rather than owning it, your own self, and counting the costs of what you wanted to really do before the Lord." I've seen people. Uh, they read a book on adoption. They go out and adopt because that's what we're supposed to do. Uh, and, 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 and then what crashes and burns is these romantic notions that they had. Oh, I'm just going to adopt this precious little child. And they're going to look at me and smile and say, yes, mommy. Yes, daddy. I'll do whatever you want. Oh, guess what? Guess what? You've adopted a sinner. And not only have you adopted a sinner, but, but you've also probably adopted someone who's been greatly sinned against, and there's going to be a whole chalk full of baggage. So have you counted the costs of what you're up against? There's more than one way to faithfully apply how we are to be a people who are characterized as showing charity and mercy to orphans and widows or or any category of vulnerable, exploited people. Maybe your role isn't to adopt. Maybe your role in applying this passage of Scripture is to serve and support someone who does adopt because that's a lot of work and it takes a whole boatload of money. So maybe you could partner with them in that way and still be faithfully in working out a, a, a faithful how to the clear what. Have I have I beat that? Is that? Are you ready to say uncle or or uh, Joe or whatever it it is Um, um, and and so so but if if you do whatever however way you work out this application or any other host of applications be careful about how then when you land on a conviction of how uh, be careful to in how you promote your uh, spiritual righteousness mandating that everyone else adopt your application feeling empowered to get on social media and and promote your application if, if the lord has called you to that then then you go do that but you don't have to mandate that everyone else has to do that in exactly the same way now i fear that you've felt like I've disintegrated certain aspects of of the of the what I, I that's not my intention my intention is that in us trying to take serious the what you and you and you and you and you and you have to work out the what before the Lord you've got to come up with a how Lord how do you want me to do the what so and so's doing it this way. Lord, is that the way you want me to do it? Well, it might be, but it may not. Another thing I would say about application, and I'm going to keep going, uh, but um, is is that in in our culture today, and I I don't want to dismiss this, but caring for widows and orphans uh, and the most vulnerable Uh, Today is is not always going to be done by the application of money We we live in a culture that just kind of thinks that you know what if we just wad up and throw some more money at something it gets fixed Perhaps we have to have a stronger category of do do you know what orphans and widows and those in the groupings of most vulnerable need more than anything else i would suggest to you that they need relationship they need time that you will devote to spend with them so, f- for instance, orphans today, and I'm a painting with broad strokes, but orphans today, at least as far as we're probably dealing with the culture of St. Charles County, or- orphans today, not so much need, they might, so this is a caveat here, but but just consider this as an option. They, they may not need the the provision that their father had previously provided. Maybe that sort of financial provision, Is provided for through other means Social Security for instance but that doesn't mean that they still don't have needs but what they need is the presence of a father figure they need you they've, they've got money coming in every month but what they need is not money from you but they need is time and attention and conversation from you maybe you will seek them out and befriend them and go have pizza with them and go talk to them and I would just say particularly us guys Young men need that because young men all of a sudden have an interest in ladies, and and young men need a moral uh, direction on uh, how to think about these weird and interesting creatures, uh, and and so they they need us to engage them in conversation about these matters. I just it's another way to work out the application and finally uh... let me say the last point about visiting this matter of visiting orphans and widows is uh, let me bring some qualifications uh... to this conversations james on the other hand the beauty of what james has done is he's short and sweet you say boy wish we had that around here but but uh, 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 but james is short and sweet but we don't have that around here something you could pray for but but uh... but James is short and sweet. If you, if you want to engage in pure and undefiled religion, visit orphans and widows in their affliction. That's all I gotta say about that. And, and 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 yet he doesn't detail out everything that could be said about that. He doesn't detail out that everything, even Scripture itself, says about that. For instance you can turn there if you like uh but the most extensive conversation particularly in the new testament about the matter of widows is found in first timothy chapter 5 14 verses that's huge for i mean are, uh, t- first and second timothy are not big books uh and there's just a lot of stuff to cover about the operation of church in first and second timothy but he spends 14 verses dealing with this issue of widows here uh, in, in the early church. Let me just read for you what it says. Um, the first thing is, is I think, is, is very insightful and, and even somewhat uh, rattling. Verse uh, 3 of First uh, Timothy chapter 5, he says, Honor widows who are truly widows. I mean... You mean you ain't smart enough to know yet if that person's a widow or not? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the person's husband is not—he's back, isn't he? The person's husband is on the scene. Is not on the scene. Now, he's on the scene. But, uh, and, and so that they're classified but honor widows who are truly widows. In fact, he'll use that phrase three times in these fourteen verses. He'll use it in verse 3. We just read it. He'll use it in verse 5. He'll use it all the way down at the very end of the conversation in verse 16. In other words, the first qualification is a widow has to truly be a widow. Okay, now he's going to specify out some of the things he means by that. So so even when James says in a very broad, sweeping thing, pure and undefiled religion takes care of widows, Paul says that is truly widows. Hmm. Hmm. Command these things as well, so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for members of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Do you see the first qualification that that Paul gives to to Timothy? Timothy, dude, in that church that you're a part of, that church better be caring for widows. But but I but here's the first qualification: they must truly be widows who do not have children who could take care of those widows. Because if they've got children um, who uh, could take care of those widows, then those children should take care of those widows. So Paul seems to be telling Timothy he's waving, hey, the church does not need to be entangled in that issue because that lady has her own children. Now, maybe the ministry of the church would be to call out that children because I think that's what Paul does. Hey, hey, you adult children with your widowed mom, you're not caring for her? That You're worse than an unbeliever. You say, well, my liver quivers when I sing these songs. I don't care. It's, it's worthless religion. You name the name of Jesus, and yet you don't attend to the needs of your mom? Uh, he goes on. I, I won't belabor this, but uh, he, uh, he picks up. Um, in, verse, in verse 9... Let a widow be enrolled. Literally, that word could be enlisted. And if it, and really, the imagery of this enrollment or enlistment is, is really the same in the New Testament used to enlisting a soldier into the army. So, if this widow, if she's one who seeks the Lord and honors the Lord with her prayers night and day, she doesn't have children who care for her, then enroll her. If she is not less than 60 years of age having been the wife of, of, of one husband, having reputation for good works, if she, is, uh, if she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work, but refused to enroll younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Besides uh, that, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, um, and, and, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying that they should not. So I, I would, so I would have younger widows marry, bear children, uh, and manage their households, and not give the adversary no occasion for slander. Whoa, that's a hornet's nest. Truly, a widow uh, that classifies for the kind of attention that we would give to them uh, uh, is is that, first of all, there is is the qualification of, of a widow who has a godly reputation. She is beyond the age that she could reasonably uh, ha- have a husband to care for her and or, and or produce children who would care for her. And, and so the, the church would gladly receive her, enroll her, enlist her. In fact, even some people suggest that, um, uh, that, that, that the notion of enrollment or enlisting is that perhaps that the church would even give her some special duties uh, as she is capable of doing so within the church, in exchange for the kind of uh, support and provision and protection that the church would provide for her. I, I say all this, say, so when, when James tells us to care for widows and orphans, he's, he's not doing that in, in a naive way. He's he, we, we would take what James has told us, the broad what, And and we would look to other scriptures to kind of help fill out the, the remaining details of what sort of procedures are in place for what faithful ministry to the widows would consist of. That the widows would be well cared for in the church if there's not family to care for them. That the widows would be well cared for in the church is... And, and and yet a qualification of their own godly reputation would weigh into that. A, a willingness based upon their capabilities of even being involved in the ministry of the church lest they take their time and become busybodies and gossips. So we look to the Scripture for wisdom. We, we have clear orders as to what we're to do we are to be a people who care for widows and orphans how we work that out um, requires the scriptures wisdom as well but I'll close with this uh, why is it that it is essential for the Christian religion to and the and the members of the Christian religion be people who reflect charity compassion and mercy why are those things important to demonstrate well it's important for us to demonstrate qualities like charity compassion and mercy it's important for us to show those qualities because we need to remember our own selves that we are the people who have been shown those qualities We must be people who give charity, give mercy, give compassion because we must remember that we are a people who have been given charity, given compassion, given mercy. And on top of that, we must show charity and compassion and mercy in Christ Jesus uh, for those who are culturally the most needy, the most vulnerable. You know why? Because that's the group of people that Christ has shown His saving mercies and charities and compassions toward Do you realize that in God's estimation of us, if we name the name of Jesus, then we are on a profound spiritual level. We are the people who were oppressed and exploited we were the people who were needy we were in the words of jesus as he reads from isaiah 61 and isaiah 58 we were the poor we were the captives we were the blind we were the oppressed or in the words of the apostle paul in in first corinthians chapter one we were the lowly we were the despised we were the weak we were the ones filled with shame Christ set out to rescue us by living a perfect life by dying as a perfect sacrifice by being raised from the dead seated at the right hand of God at this moment promising to return for us 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 who were the poor the captive the blind the oppressed the lowly the despised the weak the shameful as we receive that truth may we be the people first in line to reflect that truth so father thank you for your word thank you for what it teaches us not just in what it tells us to do but even how it guides us in working it out father may we never be a people who just do something without a great conviction in our hearts by your spirit that this is what you're calling us to be and to do but may we be a people who who never then take what your word clearly teaches us and dismiss it father may we be faithful for we pray these things in jesus name amen let's stand